This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake. everyone and welcome to Robin Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third boy to wear the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake. We will follow his journey in the pages of the 90s 2000 ongoing Robin series and other notable comics of that era. We will also take a look at other Tim Drake appearances in DC Comics, new and old, to find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. Welcome to episode 87. This podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, the home of all things Batman, whom is celebrating 80 years this year in 2019. And, of course, Robin, more importantly for our character, we'll get in that in just a minute, whom is celebrating 30 years. We're part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. We can also be found on Batman on Films Podcast Network at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. You can get hold of us on all the social media outlets. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Everyone Loves the Drake. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. We're also on Instagram. You can email into the show at robineltdpodcast at yahoo.com. On the email front, we have received a couple more emails, and we're going to wait another episode uh, to get to that because we've got a, a full show already kind of planned, and I'll get into that in just a moment. You can also find us on YouTube and just search Robin Everyone Loves the Drake Podcast. Like I said, I'm Rob. Welcome to the show. This is going to be a solo show today. And I always love saying peek behind the curtain. Well, a peek behind the curtain. The bulk of the show that you're getting ready to hear was recorded on December 5th as I was trying to get the latter part of the shows done for the year with the anniversary show in December and then the commentary track. I wanted to have a show uh, available for the first of the year. And I thought, well, this would be really good to throw another solo show in here, take a look at the Walmart 100-page giant Teen Titans books, knowing that I was not going to have Terrence and Ryan on the episode. Uh, just like always with the show, in the 
back part of the year, especially around the holidays, it's really hard to get everyone's schedules all together with everyone having multiple Thanksgivings and Christmas and celebrating New Year's. So the Teen Titans books were a really nice, you know, almost dumb luck kind of built in. I've almost wanted to start calling them annual shows, and I might do that here here forth. It's not something that's in the normal continuity of the show. It's more of an annual, uh, if you will, uh, thinking comic book wise. So it gives Terrence and Ryan a little bit more of a breather uh, getting out of the holidays, getting into the new year, and we can start getting ready to move the show forward. So speaking of the show and then speaking of Tim Drake, uh, in 2019, this is his 30 year anniversary. Of course, it's Batman's 80th anniversary. And of course we're going to be talking about that. But as far as this show goes, not that we don't always talk about Tim Drake, but I want to try and do some really cool things throughout this year to really celebrate Tim Drake's 30 years in comics and just being a great character and obviously the reason why this whole show uh, exists to begin with. Kind of celebrating Tim's 30-year anniversary, I have started a new show that I've maybe mentioned once or twice called Everyone Loves Young Justice that just debuted on the Batman universe. And that show is not yet available on iTunes. Dustin's trying to work on that end of it. iTunes generally wants four or five episodes before it releases the episodes until they start becoming regularly scheduled episodes. It's just something that iTunes does to ensure that the feed is working properly. You can listen day of release by going to the BatmanUniverse.net. It is also available day of release on Google Play and then like Stitcher and a couple other ones. But the iTunes feed, I think, unfortunately, might be delayed until we hit five episodes. So we may send a couple more early just to get that feed out. But Jay Yaws and I, who is the co-host with me on that show, are planning probably about a once a month release episode for that show. Uh, we might do it biweekly. We're kind of waiting to see once the feed gets set up and uh, how we start, you know, kind of pacing the shows. We've already got a bank of episodes recorded, so that'll be really kind of nice to have that set up. Uh, that show basically exists because, like all podcasters, I want. A, a, wanted to do another show. I think uh, every podcaster has two or three shows in them that they've kind of got on the back burner. And I was forever trying to decide what I wanted to do. Was it going to be a Damian Wayne show? Terrence had been joking for a while. He wanted to do, and maybe half serious, wanting to do a Jason Todd show. Robin is the character that is my favorite in DC, being any of the Robins. And I was really leaning towards a Damian Wayne show, and the more I got to thinking about it, it's it's Tim Drake. Tim's my favorite character, so why not have a literal sister show built in? So that's why that show is also called Everyone Loves. So technically, you've got the Robin colon, Everyone Loves the Drake, and then the next show underneath that would be Everyone Loves Young Justice. So it's going to be looking at Tim Drake under the microscope or under the watchful eye in a team uh, exercise. So it wasn't until Young Justice 
comic book series that was getting re-released or redone with Brian Michael Bendis that really started sparking the idea. And I started kind of, you know, milling that around a little bit. And I thought that would be really good offshoot from this show to look at Tim Drake under, like I said, the microscope of how is he in a team type of a book. And Young Justice, I think, works really well. Uh, we were going to talk about some Young Justice on here, but I think kind of taking Young Justice off of this podcast and it focusing on itself, it will bring more of a a streamlined focus for this show of really kind of focusing on the Robin book and then the other books that kind of are ancillary books like Detective and Batman and Catwoman and Nightwing that where the Chuck Dixon run kinds of kind of goes young justice and Robin really don't cross over. There may be some thematic themes that are going on other than no man's land. I think that's, that might be a building crossover between the two shows, but more on that later. So, like I said, this is going to be for the Walmart 100 page giants at the time that I recorded this back in December, issue four and issue five were out. And now that we're in the first of the year, and we hit Christmas, like the week before Christmas, issue six came out. So I went in, did a little bit of editing and tacked on. It's not so much of a discussion of six. It's more of my overall thoughts of everything. But I added in the synopsis to go along with four and five. So with that, thanks for tuning in to this episode and welcome to the show. Can you believe it, Jay? Young Justice is back! The Cartoon Network show from five years ago? Uh, no, yeah, that too. I, I, I mean the comic book. Oh, cool, a comic book based off the Cartoon Network show? No, yeah, I mean that too, but but not oh, that. the 1998 Peter David run. No, yeah, uh, kinda, I mean, oh, this is gonna get confusing. Wait, 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 wait. Are you trying to say that there's a brand new comic book series written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Patrick Gleason, along with a new season of the animated show on the DC Universe streaming app and a digital first comic that fills in the gaps between seasons two and three? Yes. I mean, yes. Sounds like we need a podcast to keep all this straight. <laughs> That's what I've been trying to say. Well, say it. The new podcast, Everyone Loves Young Justice, will spin out of Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake as a sister podcast. 
following the adventures of Tim Drake and his new team, Young Justice, with members like Superboy, Impulse, Wonder Girl, Arrowette, a Red Tornado, the Justice Cave, Miss Martian, Blue Beetle, Shazam, the Super Cycle, Ginny Hex, Team Lantern, Jay, Jay, what? <laughs> One thing at a time, man. Oh, th- sorry. We will start right where it all began in the pages of the 1998 Peter David run. And we will alternate between that and the new Brian Michael Bendis 2019 run. While also discussing the DC Universe animated series and tie-in comics. We are part of the BatmanUniverse.net podcast network. We can be found there or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're going to cover all aspects of Young Justice. Man, I love Young Justice. I know. Everyone does. Oh, I get it. (sighs) Talking Batman, we have a podcast here, all about that Gotham man. You smile from ear to ear. Bat books for beginners. Bat books for beginners. Welcome to Bat Books for Beginners. You guessed it. It's a podcast about Batman. Join Chris and Jerry as they talk about today's Bat Book. Welcome to Bat Books for Beginners. Dr. Herfenstaffner, come in, come in, please. Take a seat. Take a seat. What can I do for you today? I uh, just, I just, I'm, I can't sleep. I, I, I can't focus on anything. The only thing I can think about is like DC events. DC event, as in the comic books. DC events. Yes, yes, the comic book events. Ooh, interesting. Uh, are we we talking things like Crisis on Infinite Earths? Yeah, yeah, totally. That one, yeah. Uh, Infinite Crisis? Yeah, yeah, that one too. Oh, very, very. Invasion, maybe? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, uh, the Genesis? Uh, not so much. No? Oh. Okay, well, I think it's really good if you talk about the things that are troubling you in your life. So, maybe you should do a podcast about this obsession. What? What, what do you call this obsession? What do you think it is? I think you're a unique case. I've not seen anything like this before in my office. I'm going to suggest that you have what we call DCOCD. What? DCOCD? You are obsessive and compulsive about your DC events. I think you should talk it out, get it out of your system via a podcast. I will help you, my friend. We shall do a podcast together about your DCOCD. Oh, okay. When I won't even start? charge you for it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I don't think I can claim you on <laughs> benefits. 
game. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> when should we start? Um, I'll get back to you on that. I'll check my I'll check my timetable. <laughs> cool. The credit for the Teen Titans 100-page giant from Walmart issues 4, 5, and 6 go as follows. The writer is Dan Jurgens, the penciler is Scott Eaton, the inker is Wayne Foucher, the colorist is Jimmy Chamberlopoulos, I love pronouncing these names, the letters are by Tom Napolitino, the editor is Brittany Halsner, and the group editor is Jamie S. Rich. Issue number four, Devastation Boulevard. Previously in issue three of the Walmart 100-page giant and episode 82 of this show, the Titans were teleported away from the streets of San Francisco during the fight with the Fearsome Five. Now in issue four, in the New Mexico desert, the Hive is beginning to launch hundreds of aircrafts on a mission to where we do not know, while the Fearsome Five in San Francisco are creating a diversion against the Teen Titans. Speaking of the Titans, they have been teleported to the San Francisco Bridge. The Titans were teleported there by Raven during the previous battle with the Fearsome Five. The Titans needed to regroup, something that Robin did not want to do, but upon his request, Raven teleported them there to safety. Now they must regather their strategy to think how they're going to tackle the Fearsome Five. Robin takes a moment to calm his team and says that the device is filled with a toxic chemical compound. If the five detonate it or any others, they will wipe out half of the city. Robin has Starfire run surveillance on the Fearsome Five. They are on top of a local skyscraper. Robin tells Starfire they are on the tallest building in San Francisco. Raven thinks to herself that she cannot abide such evil and those that contemplate such things must be stopped by any means necessary. She keeps this thought to herself. Robin tells the team if they go in haphazardly like they did before, they will lose again, and this time there may be no way of coming back. They must set a plan and stick to it, and they must work together as a unit, not as four individuals. On top of the tower that Starfire was surveilling, the Fearsome Five are adding the final components to the compound that they will send out into the city. Shimmer and Simon share a telepathic moment, discussing that things are not as they seem when they involve the Disruptor. He is not telling them the entire plan. But before they can talk any farther, the Teen Titans have arrived on the roof. Starfire, Robin, Beast Boy, and Raven, each of them attacking a member of the Fearsome Five. Robin said the key to their plan is Beast Boy. This time, Beast Boy arrives in the shape of a large green gorilla adding a bit of distraction that is needed. Robin takes on the Disruptor, while Starfire takes on Shimmer and Simon, leaving Raven to handle Mammoth. But like before, the Disruptor is able to shake Robin and disrupts Beast Boy's changing ability and turns Beast Boy back to his former self, and Beast Boy passes out. With Beast Boy taken out, Robin is now battling Gizmo. The Disruptor turns to the chemical tubes and begins to put the compound in, ready to detonate. Raven knows the situation has grown more dire, and her soul self begins to burn. It fuels the darkness. She cannot let it escape. She has to contain it. No. She has to let it out. She releases her full ability of her power on the Disruptor. The Disruptor yells in pain. Raven is being taken over by her soul self. The Disruptor will pay for what he's done. Robin screams out, Raven, stop before you kill him. Raven screams out, I will not stop. This man must pay for his crimes, as well all who dare to confront the daughter of Trigon. Next, Meltdown. 
Meltdown, issue 5 of the Walmart 100-page giant for Teen Titans. Beast Boy comes to you after the Disruptor stopped him from becoming a Great Green Kong. Or was that a Kong the Green Great? Yeah, it doesn't matter. He wakes up to see Mamma throw Starfire across the building, while Robin is becoming a lawn dart with Gizmo. And Raven, well, Raven is going absolutely crazy. She might kill the Disruptor. He has to do something. He turns into his green-famed tiger and lunges at Raven, knocking her to the ground, sending her to the floor. He sits on top of her, but she does not recognize Gar. She is battling her soul self. She turns to focus all of her energy on Beast Boy until he says, We're friends! The Teen Titans, together, forever, remember? Raven finally comes to and realizes that her friend is there to help. Gar says, instead of fighting each other, why don't we go out and kick some fearsome five butt? Robin manages to shake Gizmo and grab Simon and uses his body to battle Gizmo's attacks. Garfield has an idea of how to get the canisters out of the area. He turns into a giant green octopus, and with his eight tentacles, he grabs all of the canisters, saving one tentacle to wrap around Starfire as she makes another pass around the building. He reaches out his tentacle, wraps it around her waist, and the two of them fly out over the bay. He tells Starfire to take him out to sea. He lets go of Starfire and plunges into the sea. 21 seconds. 20. 19. Beast Boy hits the water with an amazing force. Because he's an octopus, he's able to dive to the bottom of the ocean floor. Nine, eight, Starfire is worried about her friend. Three, two, one, an explosion. A mighty geyser races from the ocean floor. Starfire does not see her friend. Beast Boy is gone. Starfire races back to the building where they are fighting the Fearsome Five. The Titans finally manage to stop each of the members of the Fearsome Five and knock them to the ground. Gizmo, Shimmer, Mammoth, and Simon have all been dealt with, and all that's left to do now is take on the Disruptor. The Titans gather to their feet and begin to ask the whereabouts of Beast Boy when Starfire arrives. She hangs her head and says, He's gone. A voice from over Robin's shoulder says, Spoiler alert! It's Beast Boy, and he's fine and ready for action. He says right before the explosion, he turned into a clam and buried himself into the ocean floor. See? Easy peasy, he says. Now the Titans turn to deal with the Disruptor. He tells them, easy peasy is right. You know why? Because the Hive played you and the Fearsome Five like fools. The battle in San Francisco was just a diversion. The Hive is building a new stronghold to protect us from the worldwide chaos of mankind that is about to come. Mankind is doomed. He tells them when the world comes to an end, it's the only place on Earth that will survive will be their new location in the island nation of Serati. Starfire says you can't possibly think we'll stand here and do nothing. The Teen Titans move after the Disruptor, but before they can reach him, the Disruptor has vanished. He's been teleported away. Robin says it seems like the Disruptor has taken refuge with the Hive, now because we weren't looking. You know what that means, Raven says. We're taking it back. Robin begins to tell the team his plan, and this is what they're going to do to take on the Disruptor and the Hive once and for all. Next issue, Into the Fire. And now the conclusion of the Walmart 100-page giant first story arc of Teen Titans, Into the Fire. Somewhere over the Pacific Ocean, the Titans in their jet are racing towards a small island. Starfire, Beast Boy, Raven, and Robin begin to discuss that all of the things that the Hive was doing, making them race around San Francisco, was just a diversion with all of the poisonous gas that they were releasing. 
it was just a big waste of time. Robin says they were buying time as they were getting ready to unleash a global attack and that they would be safe in their little island nation that they've taken over. Beast Boy questions if Robin's scheme is going to work on this mission. Tim tells Beast Boy it better, or the world as we know it won't exist. In Chaharty, the disruptor and the director are making the final preparations for their global strike. At that moment, the Titan's jet fires overhead, and the Hive begin to shoot and take down the Titan's jet. It crashes in a thunderous firebolt. The director wants to make sure that the Titans are in fact dead and begins to send a team out. The director says, let's not take this for advantage. The changeling can fly, so can the alien, and the daughter of the demon can teleport. Assume the worst, they all might still be alive. At that moment, a battering comes flying through the room and hits the director's glasses off his head. It's the Titans, Starfire, Beast Boy, Robin, and Raven begin to attack the Disruptor and the Director's men in the hive. Robin tells Starfire that they are in tight quarters and they need the room opened up. She sends a blast through the wall, opening a giant section of the room. The Disruptor wants to make quick use of his disrupting powers and goes to fire at Starfire. She falls from the ground. She can't fly. Beast Boy turns into a lion and lunges at the Disruptor to block the Disruptor's firing power on his team. Even in his lion form, Beast Boy is no match for the Disruptor. The Disruptor is making Gar change back into his humanoid form. The rest of the Titans race to Beast Boy's aid and to take on the Disruptor. But by the time they reach Beast Boy and the Disruptor, they are surrounded by hundreds, if not thousands, of Hive soldiers, all with weapons pointed directly at them. As far as the Disruptor is concerned, they will all meet their fate together. They will all fall. Not wanting the Titans to interrupt their plans anymore, the director begins to set the countdown T-minus 60 seconds till launch as the Titans stand and look in awe of the rocket getting ready to launch off. The Disruptor asks the Titans if they have any last words they're about to meet their fate. Robin calmly smiles and puts his finger to his ear to activate his communicator and says... Only that we have you right where we want you. Care to join us? In an instant, materializing out of nowhere is the Fearsome Five. Simon, Shimmer, Gizmo, Mammoth have all joined the fight. The Fearsome Five and the Teen Titans against the Hive. Robin and Simon pair up as they're going to go head towards the director. Gizmo and Beast Boy become an unlikely pair and head towards the rocket to try and stop it. Starfire begins to make an aerial assault to take out as many Hive soldiers as she can to incapacitate them, while Raven and Shimmer go after the Disruptors. Before the Disruptor could turn around to leave, Raven and Shimmer go after the Disruptor to take control of his amplifier before he can phase out. Raven manages to grab a hold of the Disruptor's arm, while Shimmer is able to pry the amplifier out of the Disruptor's hands and crushes it in her fist, turning the Disruptor's means of disrupting the Titan's powers useless. On top of the rocket, Beast Boy and Gizmo are using every tactic that they have to get inside of the rocket. Beast Boy turns into a rat, and Gizmo gives Beast Boy a microchip to insert into the rocket to help with the destruction of it so it does not launch a global attack. Robin and Simon have managed to infiltrate the base. The two of them are now face-to-face with a director. Before the director can move, Simon has blocked the director's mind and is unable to complete his task to try and launch the rocket. Just for good measure... Robin knocks the director out and lands to the floor, saying it's over, director, for you and the hive. Both. The countdown clock is down to six seconds. Beast Boy needs to insert the chip to begin the self-destruct mechanism in the rocket. Down to the final two seconds, 
A series of explosions can be heard inside of the rocket. It worked. The rocket is not going to be launched. Beast Boy comes out in the shape of a tiny bumblebee and accidentally stings Gizmo. Gizmo can't believe that Beast Boy actually stung him. To which Beast Boy replies, I won't let you take all the credit, short stuff. Moments later, the UN forces arrive at Chitauri and begin to round up the remaining members of the Hive and to put the Disruptor and the Director back into custody. Another helicopter lands right behind the Fearsome Five and they begin to board the helicopter, much to the surprise to the Titans. Well, except Robin. Simon and Robin nod at each other and begin to board. Simon says, we shall settle this difference another time. And the Fearsome Five ascend into the air and disappear. Raven is surprised that Robin is letting them go. Robin tells Raven, not exactly. Gar, care to explain? Garfield says that in his bee-like form, he planted a microtransmitter inside of Gizmo. Starfire says, so we can find them whenever we want. Exactly, Robin replies. Now I think it's time for... And before Robin can finish his sentence, Beast Boy hurriedly says, Pizza, pizza, buy the truckload. Next issue, get ready for Hawk and Dove. All right, we're back. And like I said on this episode, we're going to be taking a look at the Walmart 100-page Giants. Of course, this is going to be uh, the Teen Titans books. Uh, Terrence and I are still talking about doing the Batman 100-page Giants from Walmart, obviously, on the Batman and Robin Eternal podcast. But we're we're still trying to figure all that out. I think Terrence is still missing one or two issues from that so it might be one of those i might have to scan some pages so terrence can kind of uh read them or uh, give a synopsis or whatever for terrence so i'll have to see if he's able to track those down but again this is for teen titans and i've really been enjoying these walmart 100 page giants this kind of makes me like i've said before on the previous episodes dealing with the 100 page giants. This was something fun that I remember getting as a kid that you got a bigger bang for your buck. You got a, a bunch of stories and it was a, again, a hundred pages. So it was something that I remember was tough convincing my mom at first to buy some of these books. But when I said it's a hundred pages, then she started thinking like, Oh, well that's like three or four comic books in one book. So that'll be your book for the month. So sometimes it was something like that. Again, I I don't want to beat a a dead horse with this. We are starting to get to the conclusion of uh, Dan Jurgens, 100 page giant run here. So I believe from everything that I've read so far that this is going to be a six issue arc for Dan Jurgens. Now I don't know if that means after this six issues, he's going to go on and write another six more, or if they're just going to do something completely different with the brand new stories going on. So that'll be interesting to kind of see. So there'll at least be one more book for Dan Jurgens to wrap up his story that he's been telling over these past uh, six issues. We kind of went through uh, in the previous episode, who the fearsome five were, who the disruptor was, the episode before that, we were talking about Tim Drake and a parallel that I'd like to kind of make in the Batman 100 page giant issue for Jenny Hex, the great, great granddaughter of Jonah Hex. I forget how many greats it is made her first comic book appearance in the Batman issue number four from the Walmart 100 page giant. 
and Brian Michael Bendis is writing the Batman 100-page uh, giant story, the new story. So that is the first appearance that Jenny Hex is going to make, and then she is going to be a main player in the 2019 Young Justice uh, run that he and Pat Gleason are doing for you know the main Young Justice title for his Wonder Comics imprint. So I think Terrence and I had talked about that before of when we just thought it was Robin, Bart Allen, and Superboy of wondering, you know, who who the other players are going to be. Is Cassie going to be there? We had mentioned that there was going to be a Teen Lantern character. And seeing that uh, Jenny Hex has, or Jeannie Hex, I think is what her name is, has made her comic book debut, so to speak, in that story that it's kind of got me thinking about Tim Drake. Is this the first appearance of Tim Drake in this Walmart 100 page giant with him going back to the name Robin? So I don't know if that's something that's officially going to be addressed in the young justice book. What what are the reasons that he's dropping the red from his name? He's getting a new updated costume. So, there's going to be two Robins running around in the DC universe. So I don't know how interconnected everything is going to be, or if the wonder comics imprint is going to run in its own universe, but everything that I've been reading and we were talking about uh, on one of our previous episodes that everything's going to be in continuity. So these are all of the characters. I'm kind of hoping that it's addressed what, what had happened with he and Stephanie after James Tiny's detective run where there were, you know, quote unquote, going to go off to college and Tim doesn't necessarily do that. So are we going to pick up those threads? Is Dan Jurgens the first one to write, like this is still the incontinuity teen Titans kind of information here. But if you're reading teen Titans or you're reading Titans, none of these four characters are on the same team working together. So I think it's its own small universe. It, there's a lot of questions here. So like I said before in previous episodes, we're not going to really focus on where the continuity is, but knowing that uh, Jenny Hex has made her debut, that that makes that Batman Walmart book now in continuity, since that's that same character written by, by Brian Michael Bendis. So I guess we're going to find out in issue one, two, three, or four, how continuity is going to work for the Young Justice book. Uh, the other books that make up this a 100-page giant, of course, is the new Teen Titans story written by Dan Jurgens, and then some classic Teen Titans written by uh, Jeff Johns. We've got Super Sons by Pat Gleason, or Pat Gleason, excuse me, uh, Tomasi, and then uh, Sideways, which is a, a new DC character c that came out of uh, Metal. So opening up to page one here, and again, I think I've, again, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse with this, the storytelling and probably one of the complaints that I hear most about uh, the 100-page Giants, at least as far as the Teen Titans go, it's, I know I've said this a million times, it's really a basic generic story. And I, and I mean that, I think I keep saying this all the time, I mean that in the best way possible, but I can see somebody picking this up and to use a young justice term, not being whelmed by it, that this is, again, I feel like I'm in a repeat city here. I feel like this is something I would have gotten out of a cereal box. And again, those are cool, but I think it is hitting 
the people that are possibly reading DC Comics maybe for the first time or haven't read it. So with having a show like Titans that's on right now and the principal characters that are in Titans are Starfire, Robin, Beast Boy, and Raven, all those characters are represented here of like, well, if you're watching that Titans show, here are the Titans. Yes, the Robin that's in this book is Tim Drake and not Dick Grayson. I realize that could throw some people off, but at the same time, in this 100-page giant, the Robin that's in here is Tim Drake. So you do have, you know, Starfire, Robin, Beast Boy, and Raven being represented in this book. So I think it gives you a nice entry point into the story. I think the only character that's missing that's typically part of the Teen Titans traditionally, um, aside from Superboy, would be Cyborg. So if you're watching the Titans TV series, Cyborg is going to be arriving uh, sometime soon in the Titans TV show. So that's going to be kind of cool to see how they piece all that together. But I digress. Uh, the splash page, uh, the, the very first page in this is the hive getting all their planes and they're, they're really kind of cool looking planes. Um, I heard somebody say that Scott Eaton's art was again, underwhelming or that it was just kind of bland. I really like Eaton's art in this book. There is nothing at any time I think is boring or plain or it's phoned in. It's It seems like it's like one of those in-house ads uh, by DC, like uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, doing some in-house ads or the stock. I think I said this before, the stock art that you would see just for merchandising. I think uh, Scotty, and that's not undermining what he does, but I think he does a very effective job here. The colors are absolutely great by Jimmy Charmilopoulos. I, I'm going to butcher that name uh, till this is over. <laughs> I love his coloring, but let's let's get somebody's different in here that I can pr- pronounce their last name. But just the uh, splash page on page two here of Starfire, Robin, Beast Boy, and Raven on the uh, San Francisco Bridge here looks absolutely breathtaking. Again, I don't know if this would be a poster, but I, I would do a T-shirt of it, and it, it looks very good. This is how everybody looks currently in Rebirth. Tim Drake is in his Rebirth costume here, again, missing one arc, because now he is officially Robin. But even the smaller shots going into uh, the third page where you get the, you know, an a bird's eye view of the bridge and you can see the Titans that are, you know, a little smaller in detail in some cases when they have to draw people that are really, you know, far away or really small to give a perspective that kind of chints out on a lot of the details. I Maybe mean, you don't get facial details, but uh, the body language and movement and shadows are all really good on this. And I think probably one of the bigger, the bigger things that maybe kind of hurt the story in some spot it's a lot of, okay, this thing happened, so we're going to have a little bit of dialogue like, oh, gee, shucks, they got away. Okay, we got to team up. We got to get together. And then they go attack the bad guys. Fight, fight, fight. A punchy run type of thing. And good guys lost. The bad guys got away. Okay, we're going to talk about it. All right, we're going to go track them down. So it's kind of like that to some degree. But again, I'm not... I'm not taking points away for it because I think this is designed to be somebody's first. This is the the first comic book that somebody could be reading. So, yes, there are some heavier and deeper stories in if you're trying to compare this to the Jeff Johns Teen Titans run 
and with the Dan Jurgens run that's in here, they are two different night and day, two different storytelling vehicles. And I think as far as the Titans are going, I think that's okay. I think the art for me is probably the biggest sell of this book. And it may be just because of my own blind you know, adoration for the Tim Drake character of why I'm picking this up. And I'm solely picking it up just for this new story, because like I've said in previous episodes, there are no Tim Drake stories that are out there that are new that DC are putting out right now until we get to 2019 when young justice arrives. So I think that it's maybe blinding me just a little bit onto how much I really do like this. But again, going back to the art, the his art on Starfire is absolutely amazing. Her again, these pages aren't numbered very well, so be pages like three and four, actually probably four and five actually, of her flying, leaving the Titans and going on like a little reconnaissance mission, uh, going around the tallest building in San Francisco where the Fearsome Five are. Uh, her shots leaving the group, uh, flying away, and then flying around the building and then returning are all really good. And this issue, each of the issues so far has been having a different Titan narrating what's been going on. And this one is a Raven-led narration. And I think they, Dan Jurgens really gets, when you, again, I think I said this before, when you break everything down to what is the core element of all of these characters, I think that's the biggest thing that Jurgens does very well in this, that he gets everybody to what their what their motivation is. Uh, the plot may be a little thin at points, but you get that there's this dark undercurrent under Raven. And just having watched the most recent Titans show on the DC Universe streaming app is that she's becoming very self-aware now that, I mean, she has been the whole show of this evil that is inside of her or this power that's at bay here. And uh, Jurgens writes that in there uh, where she says, I can't abide such evil. Those who contemplate such things must be stopped by any means necessary. And in the uh, panel just below that uh, Starfire says, ease your mind, sister. We will do exactly that. And the way that Eaton and then Jim, I'm not going to say his last name, Jim C <laughs> color and draw Raven, Everything is all in dark, and all you see are the purple of her eyes to kind of indicate with the purple glow behind her that she is started starting to battle that because she knows that the Disruptor and the Fearsome Five are up to no good, and uh, they need to be stopped. So I think that's really kind of cool that just having watched the Titan show that this book on four is really dealing with the raving character. And I think this – the Walmart – new stories for Titans, I think really sets up every story after this, that's in this book. If you start reading the Jeff Johns team Titans, this is kind of like almost like a history lesson of like, here's how the Robin character works. Here's how the Raven character works. And then when you flip the page and you start reading the Jeff Johns work, you start getting, you already have that built in understanding to it. So I think it, they both work hand in hand very well. Um, I love the group shot on the bottom of this page, which I believe this is page six with Raven, Robin, Beast Boy and Starfire standing uh, all in a group. And it's where Robin says that we will, Corey. But if we go haphazardly in like we did before, we'll lose. 
and I will not let that happen again. So this is another character beat that we are getting for Tim Drake, that he is trying to be the master planner and just like Batman is not going into a fight haphazardly and it's happened to him twice before trying to go into a battle and they're having to retreat. That's why they're back on the bridge at San Francisco. They're not functioning as a team. They're functioning as individuals. And Robin is trying to put a stop to that. And that was part of their training. He was able to take them all down in their a la danger room in the Titans tower in a previous issue where they weren't fighting as a team. They were fighting as individuals. And we have, we don't get much character development out of the fearsome five. They're basically just the plot device of here are the bad guys. Here's what they're doing. And that's about it. But we do have a brief moment with Shimmer and Simon where Shimmer's kind of talking to herself and she knows that Simon is listening. So they're getting that little bit of telepathic discussion going back and forth where they are realizing, I think we as the viewer know or reader know that the disruptor is not being as honest as he should be and needs to be with his new teammates. So they don't even get a really have much of a discussion other than going, oh, I don't trust him. Oh, you don't trust him. And then the Titans show up. The battle scene here plays out very well. Gizmo is still one of the ones that I, I think I said before I know the least about. Everybody else, I think I, you know, I know who Simon is from the Young Justice cartoon show. And then I read some other Titans book where Mammoth has been in. But Shimmer and Gizmo, like I said before, were the two that I uh, really am familiar with. So the big thing that's, that I liked in this episode, again, I think just really plays well for me having watched the Titans, like I've said, is Raven's power and ability. She's putting that in here, and I love her narration in here. She says her Azeroth, Menatron, Zemithos, and I love her kind of like her incantations that she says. And this is the part of the art that for somebody, a review that I read that says, you know, Eaton's art is lackluster. The last few panels on this page, which I believe this is the last, this has got to be page eight and nine out of this, where where Raven grabs the disruptor and kind of like the uh, purple power that she's using that they are illustrating here. You see the pain in his face, and then you see her reach out, her eyes go purple. She says, you will pay for what you've done. And then Eaton draws this grinting teeth. You can kind of see the blood coming down from his nose. You can kind of see the sweat and the lines of movement where he's being shook violently and screaming. That is some beautiful, beautiful art in these four panels here. And seeing Robin yell out where he says, Raven, stop before you kill him. And seeing like the black Raven come up from underneath her. And you see the skeleton of the disruptor kind of like the inside, almost like an X-ray of him just yelling as she says, I will not stop. This man must pay for his crimes as all who dare to confront the daughter of Trigon, which is very, very cool way to end issue four. And it's something while watching the Titans TV show, I'm going, man, are we going to see Trigon in this? I think I will flip out if we see Trigon. So let's get into issue five here. 
Um, I really didn't talk about the covers on these two. They are both Deathstroke-led uh, covers here. Uh, on issue four is him shooting a bullet, and then Kid Flash is running to catch the bullet so it doesn't shoot Robin. And then a close-up shot of Deathstroke holding a gun in the uh, dark black or blue side of Deathstroke's mask is the Titans, Starfire, Beast Boy, Robin, Wonder Girl, and Kid Flash. So this one picks up right from where the last one does, obviously, since this is a six-part story. But this one is narrated in Thought Balloons or Thought Squares by uh, Gar Logan, a.k.a. Beast Boy. So it's picking up right from where the Disruptor took him out of his changeling form. So he's seeing all of his friends get thrown around, with the exception of Raven. And he's saying, only one of us is out in front of a scoreboard. That is Raven. About ready to rip the Disruptor's soul out. Bad dude, but he doesn't deserve to die like this. So Raven is losing complete control in her rage to stop the Disruptor, and she is going to end up killing the Disruptor if somebody doesn't do something. So again, I think just having watched the TV show, seeing right now that uh, Beast Boy is only changing into a tiger, and the most recent one was really, really uh, violent with Beast Boy. So if you haven't seen it, Go check it out. I'm sure the three of us will talk about it soon. Or I think Batman on film may be doing like a mid-season discussion. I think I'm slated to be over there with them. But uh, neither here nor there. He changes form into a tiger and essentially attacks Raven, knocks her to the ground, uh, sits on her to kind of wake her up from her spell. Uh, she's just about to take Beast Boy out when he is end up able to uh, talk some sense into her. And this is kind of like the, hey, don't fight me. Let's go uh, fight, the, uh, fight the bad guys. So quickly stops the disruptor. He's out cold. And now... <laughs> a funny scene that I thought was really pretty cool of how Robin is would do something very much like Batman would is use the room to his advantage or use the people in the room to his advantage. Uh, Gizmo has been firing at Robin, so he decides to use Simon as a human shield <laughs> in the uh, third panel on uh, the uh, page four here. Uh, you see him grab Simon over his head and over the back of his shoulders while Robin is getting shot at, he uses Simon as a human shield. So I don't know exactly what gizmo is shooting at Robin, but I'm pretty sure um, he'd be dead or at least knocked out. So I thought that was a very, you know, Batman, but in this case, a Robin moment, it ends up coming to a head that they finally are able to stop all of the fearsome five, except of course, for the disruptor, because now the disruptor's got to talk and give the you know evil speech of "haha, what's going on?" That all of this has been a giant ruse. That their main goal for the fearsome five is to dupe the Titans into fighting them and not be really paying attention to what the Hive is doing, because all the planes that they were launching in issue four were going out to, and if I say this right, the new uh, the island nation of Shatari. C-I-R-A-T-T-I. And I was trying to do some uh, looking up at it, and I think it's a little different spelling. So this is a a different uh, nation that's just created for uh, the DC Universe, that this is where the Hive is moving their location to. And this is something that I didn't say in the synopsis, but it says, it's ours now, talking about this nation. The one place on Earth that will survive as humanity, with a helping hand from the hive, does its best to destroy itself. 
So he's talking about the destruction in the San Francisco diversion. They're building this new stronghold to protect us from the worldwide chaos to come. So it's very vague, like something big is going to happen, but they're building this new stronghold and they're going to be safe. So, of course, the villain says that's where they're going. That's where the base is located. And then he abruptly gets pulled out through a transporter teleporter and he's gone. So Robin, Robin's last line here, and this is where I don't know if Jurgens is trying to stretch this out a little bit. He might be trying to be a little too basic because this is the third book in a row where Robin has a plan, but us as the audience aren't told anything. I can understand for the final issue of the series that, okay, you're not going to say what the plan is and that it will be telegraphed to us in the final issue. But we've already kind of done that two other times already where Robin has a plan or Robin's going to say a thing, but he never actually says anything to let us, the reader, know what is entirely going on. So... All right, the Walmart 100-page giant issue number six here. It's kind of cool that I'm able to wrap this up uh, with three issues. So I'm going to tack this into the discussion portion of four and five without rehashing a lot of stuff that I've already said through this whole series. I feel like I'm kind of in repeat mode with this, and it's not a bad thing. Uh, I enjoy it. Um, I think I've kind of been talking about this as being an introductory story for the Walmart 100-page giant. And that that's not a knock to uh, Dan Jurgens writing at all. I, I like it quite a bit. Um, it's not as complex as he traditionally writes. And again, I think he's writing for the medium of what this is, is telling a very entertaining... This is more of a Saturday morning cartoon. This is more of a more adult version of Teen Titans Go without all the quippy jokes and the silliness, maybe. And this almost feels like it could be an episode of the, I would not say not the Super Friends, but this could be more of probably like the an animated series type of an episode, uh, a Justice League Unlimited, something like that, uh, an episode of the Batman. There's enough little character beats in here, but it's not, it's probably not in depth as the rest of the stories that are in this comic reading this teen Titan story. And then going right into uh, the next part of uh, the Jeff Johns teen Titan story. You can tell they are two completely different teams and there are uh, much greater mature themes going on in the book, but that doesn't stop me from, uh, really enjoying and really liking uh, this Walmart 100-page giant. Uh, this wraps up the first Dan Jurgen story in here. Now with them saying, and this kind of answers my question, are we going to get beyond six issues? Was this a six-issue run? And I was only kind of assuming that because Dan Jurgens had said uh, his first arc is going to be six issues or he gets to wrap up his story in six issues. So I didn't know if that means... And I guess I we really won't know till next month if and this, by the way, this book came out a week before Christmas. So as I'm talking right now uh, in January 13th, 
that the next issue could be on its way out within a, a week or two. So I'll be kind of curious on issue seven. Is it another Dan Jurgens Teen Titan story? It kind of gives the appearance that it might be, uh, being that it says next issue, get ready for Hawk and Dove. Uh, I don't know if it's set up that there's going to be a new creative team on the new story that's in here. And they're just saying, hey, the next story is going to be a Hawk and Dove story. In Teen Titans, is it going to be a whole new setup of Teen Titans characters? Maybe we'll, we can kind of troll Dan Jurgens' uh, Twitter feed and see what he's saying about you know the Walmart 100-page giants. What I think about the the end of the story, it was pretty much telegraphed through. It wasn't like you know I didn't think the Titans were going to lose or anything like that. I don't know if I saw the Fearsome Five becoming Robin's linchpin that. One thing I've kind of said through the whole story is that Robin's always talking about a plan that he has. And for us, the reader, he's never really saying what it is until they're in the middle of doing it. And then it's like, oh, Robin's plan's not working or or some little variation of that. So I get here where they're burying the lead and not saying that I hope our quote-unquote friends will help us obviously have spoiled how it was going to end of like oh it's going to be the fearsome five and again i think i've kind of said from the onset of doing these 100 page giants that this is this isn't necessarily geared towards me i have the teen titans jeff john's run story Uh, i have the super sun story in here i don't have the sideways book. It wasn't somebody that I was really interested in. So for me, like having this here, now I've got six issues of sideways. I could kind of read it and decide, Oh, is this something I would have liked? Or is this something that was like, eh, it's okay. I'm glad I didn't spend two ninety nine Cause it's not really speaking to me. So the only reason why I'm spending the four ninety nine per issue is for the new teen Titan story. And being a Tim Drake fan, it is for having a book these last six months almost of there being no Tim Drake in any comics continuity at all until now. So now this is 2019. Young Justice is out. Tim Drake is out. Somebody's going to say, well, hey, Rob, are you still going to continue to buy the Teen Titans Young Justice now that they're, or excuse me, Teen Titans Walmart 100 page giant now that Young Justice is on the shelf? Well, of course I am. It's, it's Tim Drake. So maybe this does answer another question of why Tim Drake is not Red Robin in this when Technically, and actually not technically, 100%, he is in his Rebirth Red Robin costume. All that's missing is an R on here. So there were some people that were going, well, that's really weird that he's not being referred to as Red Robin in this, but he is in his Rebirth Red Robin costume. So putting like all these pieces together now and kind of seeing everything, I'm almost guaranteeing 100%. I probably can't say 100%, like a, a bacterial, 99.9% that, you know, DC knew and Dan Jurgens knew with Brian Michael Bendis coming on that he was going to put Tim Drake to being Robin again. And Jurgens has written Tim a couple different times and probably had said, well, this is a good opportunity 
to put Tim as Robin. And if people are reading this, when they read Young Justice, it's just going to seem more natural that you've already been used to a version of Tim Drake being Robin again. And then just speaking of Tim Drake's costume and how he looks, I I really have dug Scott Eaton's art. Um, I've probably read more and looked more of at Scott Eaton's art now just with this 100-page giant than maybe I realize I have in some other comics that I've read before. I really dig this. And again, I'm not, not meaning this with any disrespect. This just seems like one of those cereal box comics that you would get as a kid that would be fun to read. Is this going to be the New York Times bestseller? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. But I still found this very entertaining. And the characters look how you expect them to look. You know, Starfire's in her rebirth costume. Beast Boy looks that way. Uh, Raven. And, of course, Tim Drake Robin. So I'm really kind of curious now that they are going to add Hawk and Dove to this team this is going to look like the Titans TV show that the Titans TV show does have Starfire, Raven, Beast Boy, and Robin. They're adding Hawk and Dove into this. So I'm looking forward to uh, the next batch of stories. I hope it's a Dan Jurgens uh, written story. It was, it was fine. It I had a really good time. And I think at the end of the day, that's all I really want out of any comics that I'm reading. And it's actually really quite refreshing that this is not some, well, (laughs) I guess it is long and drawn out with six issues taking six months to come out, but it's not some crazy crossover series that's gone on 42 issues with 12 variant covers and 15 other crossover books. That this was a nice, now having all six issues, it's a nice little story that you can read from start to finish and go, that was, that was a good time. I really enjoyed it. So that is where we are going to end this episode of Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake. So little episodes like this are nice when we come out of a holiday season and it's been kind of crazy going clear back to Thanksgiving and then Christmas and the new year. So I really enjoyed having these uh, Walmart 100 page giants. I could kind of do this, uh, do a little solo show here and I can kind of, uh, give Terrence and Ryan, and I a little bit of a breather to get into the body of January. Uh, so we can start, uh, the Robin proper series coming up. So if I have my, Uh, notes right. So the next books that we have coming up uh, for the show is going to be Catwoman 25. Uh, Robin plays a big part in the Catwoman book, so that'll be interesting to jump to uh, the Catwoman book, which uh, we've never really uh, read or talked about other than just in passing through uh, Nightfall. And then the next two Robin books after that will be 21 and 20 before we get to the next kind of quote-unquote big event, the Underworld event, and that'll be a little bit later. So that's what you have to look forward to on the next episode of the show. Uh, So thanks for tuning in. Happy New Year, everyone. And this is going to be the start of Tim Drake's 30th anniversary. 30 years. I know that other guy is celebrating 80, but Tim Drake turns 30 this year. So we've got a cool a different interview coming up, I will say, but uh, something you can look forward to for that. And uh, 
we're going to kind of dig deep and maybe some other Tim Drake stories that we're not covering here. We're going to pull those out and uh, celebrate 30 years of Tim Drake. And luckily, I have the only podcast talking about Tim Drake. We'll see you guys next time. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are the copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TVU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.